On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Cyber Quad resurfaces, but not like you think. Giga Shanghai ramps up production yet again. Elon Musk is confident that the chip shortage is almost over and more. This episode is dedicated to my friend William, who has done more for the Tesla owners community than most people realize. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joining you as always for Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for October 3rd, 2021. It is episode 322. Of course, Daisy the Boxer to my left, hanging out on the couch. And it is, of course, yet another busy week of Tesla news. The big news is, as promised last Friday, the button, the full self-driving beta request button was delivered to us. As promised, as I'm sure all of you were eagerly awaiting. In fact, you'd probably already pressed it before you listened to last week's show. And uh, I'll give you my impressions of it. I'm kind of curious. It's been fun hearing about everybody's experiences with it. I knew I would be in for a bit of a tough time in San Francisco. And I know I talk about San Francisco and it being a difficult city to drive around in a lot. Those of you that do live here probably agree with me. And again, I'm not saying other cities aren't tough. But this is a tricky city, and I guess any major city probably is, particularly with what the safety score in your app is asking you to do, which is to drive very safely, to specifically not get any forward collision warnings, to maintain a safe distance behind the car in front of you at all times, to not make any sudden turns or hard braking incidents. There's, you know, it's it's basic stuff, but still... Sometimes you just don't have any control because you can't control what other people are doing. So the first day, of course, I got it Saturday morning and I promptly drove to a Tesla club event where I had my car photographed at Mac House, which I'm going to talk about that event towards the end of the show. That was a great time. So that was a good long ride. That was Fremont from San Francisco and then obviously the round trip heading home. And then the, I had some more driving to do later that day. And anyway, long story short, the first day I got a 94. I thought, okay, 94, that's a, an okay place to start. And uh, what's funny is I was talking about forward collision warnings a second ago. Before I could even get on the freeway, a, like a mile from my house, as in fact, as I was getting on the freeway, a, another car just kind of cut in front of me and triggered a, a forward collision warning. So already I just threw my hands up like, oh, come on, really? Like I'm a mile, it's been a mile and I've already, my score is already tanked. So the first day uh, I ended up with a score of 94 on a lot of miles. It was something like, I think I did about a hundred miles that day, maybe even a little more. And then managed to get it up in the first, uh, the second or third day to 96. But then the week started, and I have to drive my daughter to school and pick her up. We've got a carpool thing, so not doing it every day, but enough. And I knew that the city would be tough. San Francisco would not be easy. And sure enough, uh, I had one day where I think my score was like 65 or something. I'd have to pull it up. But then I thought, okay, let me rein this in a little bit. Let me, let me back my follow distance on autopilot from three, where it was set to four, Although supposedly when you're on autopilot, it doesn't ding your score at all. 
But anyway, managed to get some good scores going, and as I said, got up to 96, but then back down to 94, and that's where I've been ever since. Even though I've had 98s, and even I think today was 100 uh, here on Friday, and I did uh, have to make a school run through the city there, so... I don't know. It seems like the, you know the sample size is getting larger. It's uh, so it is what it is for now. But yeah, the 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 follow distance thing. It's tough in a major city because you just it's tough to not closely follow someone sometimes just based on the you know urban congested driving conditions and again people pulling in front of you that you can't control. It's just chaos and and my score has suffered for it. Um, but as it turns out, you know, we knew, we thought that this weekend, that basically right now, as you hear this show, that a lot of you would have already been downloading and using and trying out the full self-driving beta. But no, if this is not the weekend. It's going to be one more week. We're going to have to keep working on our safety scores. In some cases, like my friend Michael in Milbray, he's had a really high score and he texted me and he says, I've got to keep this up for another week. And then I texted back saying, I've got another week to try and get my score back up. So it's all a matter of perspective. But late this week, Elon tweeted that the semi-public beta, the rollout would be, quote, pushed a week to align with the release of version 10.2. So now we're looking at this coming Friday or Saturday, for the public rollout. Uh, but I, again, I probably won't be getting it on the first day. Michael will, if he can hold it. And a lot of you hopefully will as well, because Elon did take to Twitter to explain exactly how the rollout is going to go. He said, quote, wow, a lot of interest in the full self-driving beta. The plan is to roll out version 10.2. Again, we're referring here to October 8th, heading into, you know, late October 8th, heading into Saturday, October 9th. Then on-ramp, about a 1,000 owners per day prioritized by safety rating. The first few days, you'll probably need a safety score of 100 out of 100, then 99, then uh, 98, etc. So that's Elon's tweet on that, and that's exactly the clarification and the explanation that we needed. So for me, at this point, after one week, i got to be honest, I've kind of just accepted that it is what it is. And I'll get it when I get it. Uh, it's you know it's been a long enough wait. I'll just have to keep waiting a little more. I just have to live my life, and I don't have time in the day between my full time job and doing ride the lightning. I don't have time to go out there and try and do like a long autopilot freeway drive in the middle of the night with nobody around to try and goose my score back up. So I'm hoping maybe I can at least nudge up to 95 over the next week if if nobody jumps out in front of me and causes any more forward collision warnings. But for now, 94, and I'm hoping maybe to get to 95. Hopefully you are faring better than that. And if you will, it seems you will get the beta sooner than other folks like me. So uh, one more week to go, it seems. Next this week, another programming note here. I wanted to say stay tuned next week for my shareholder meeting recap and analysis. Now, surprisingly, the shareholder meeting, the annual shareholder meeting, just once a year, it switched venues. It was going to be held at the Fremont factory here in my neck of the woods. I was hoping eh, maybe I'll get an invite to this. I, I was lucky enough to get a last minute invite to AI Day. Well, they've switched the venue to Giga Texas 
But not just that, the whole thing has now gone virtual. So nobody will be attending in person outside of Elon himself and whomever, what other, uh, whatever other executives and Tesla staff that he deems uh, appropriate to be on the call. I have to say, uh, so the date here real quick first is Thursday, October 7th at 5.30 Eastern. That's 2.30 Pacific. And again, online only for that. I have to say, I'm pretty surprised by that given that Tesla last year in the middle of the COVID pandemic pre-vaccine found a way to safely host it in person when I was lucky enough to get invited. I was there. We were all in our own Teslas in one giant drive-in looking at the stage, which was a really fun event. And I thought, okay, when I first saw that they were moving it to Giga Texas, I thought, well, all right, the COVID restrictions are quite a bit looser there than they are in California. So that's where it kind of surprises me that it is going to be a virtual only event. I mean, maybe Tesla decided it would just be logistically easier to do it virtually, uh, COVID restrictions or not. So bottom line, that is the case. It will be streamed online. Check it out on youtube.com slash Tesla. Or of course, I will watch it so you don't have to. Next week's episode, we'll have the recap and analysis, all the highlights, just, you know, all the good stuff distilled down into my usual show. So stay tuned for that. Unfortunately, I also have to wait until next week's show for the Q3 production and delivery numbers to talk about those for what is sure to be a record Q3, an all-time record for Tesla that they have just finished. That'll be on next week's show as well. I'm not surprised here, though. I figured this might happen because Tesla, you know, the quarter ended Thursday night. Thursday was September 30th, as you know, and usually... Uh, Tesla releases those numbers two days after the end of the quarter, the production and delivery numbers. But I have to record my show one day after the end of the quarter. So my apologies for that. The show must go on. Sometimes it works out where I catch some late breaking thing and I can get it right into the podcast and talk about it. But sometimes it works out this other way where uh, it may even be by the time you hear this, the, the odds are very, very good that Tesla has announced those Q3 production and delivery numbers. And so on that note, before I get to the news proper this week, just to make this a little fun, just to have a little fun with it, uh, since I am going to miss that information for this episode, here I'm going to give you my prediction for the number. And so by the time this reaches your eardrums, you'll probably know the real number and you can either laugh at me or go, wow, good guess, Ryan. So I'm going to go with, I'm going optimistic I'm going to say 250,000 cars delivered, not produced, delivered in Q3. We'll see if I'm right or wrong by the time you hear this. Finally this week, a shout out to a very kind listener. I have to admit, I'm terrible with names. He gave me his name. I think it's Anton. He'll know. If I got that wrong, he'll know, though. This was a gentleman who was uh, driving along with his wife while I was out walking Daisy he was in a, an e-golf, uh, which I, I was told after I mentioned it on a recent show that apparently the e-golf uh, is only sold in California, which I guess does make sense. There are like the, uh, the Fiat 500e is like that as well. It's a compliance car and California has higher emission standards. Anyway, so if I'm remembering his name correctly, if it was indeed Anton, and I sure hope it was because if not, I'm going to feel he's going to feel bad and I'm going to feel bad that he feels bad. But anyway, he just, he rolls up to me as I'm walking the dog 
And he stops and he rolls down his window and I'm thinking, oh, this person's going to ask me for directions and I'm not really good with that. And nope, he rolls down his window and goes, Ryan McCaffrey? And I said, yeah, that's me. And he said, well, this must be Daisy the Boxer. And he's a Ride the Lightning fan. He's got a Cybertruck reservation that he's eagerly waiting for. So uh, Anton, thank you so much. You, you honestly made my day with that. That's, that. that's an honest celebrity moment that doesn't happen to me very often at all. It's uh, very rare. So you were, he was super polite, very nice guy. He, he hopped out of the car and took a picture with me. It was great. So I, I, I hope, uh, Anton, I just want to say, I got as much out of that as you did. So thank you very much for, for being a very kind Ride the Lightning fan. And with that, we're already 12 minutes into the podcast, and some of you may be getting impatient, and I don't blame you. Let's talk about this week's news. First up, remember the Cyber Quad? The ATV that would go in the back of the Cyber Truck would be sold as an accessory? Well, we haven't heard anything about it since the Cybertruck unveiling event back in November of 2019, so we're pushing two years on that now. The last time we saw the Cyber Quad at all, there was, I mean, there was nothing mentioned about it, but we did see it a year ago. In fact, exactly a year ago, the late September, it was on display at Battery Day when Tesla had the flanking the stage, Elon stage, for the shareholder meeting at Battery Day. They had S3XY on one side of the stage, and they had CARS, Cybertruck, ATV, Roadster, Semi. So they had sexy cars flanking the stage. That's the last time we saw it. Uh, well, now, as Teslarati reports, Tesla has filed a new trademark application with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, but it isn't for a an electric off-road vehicle, the CyberQuad itself. Instead, the CyberQuad patent application covers two classes of things, games, toys, and sporting goods, and clothing. The trademark Tesla registered for the CyberQuad just last week, as Tesla Roddy notes, is, quote, intended to cover the categories of clothing, namely t-shirts, shirts, jackets, hats, infant wear, footwear, and pants, according to the USPTO. Well, I know I've given my personal take on the CyberQuad before. It's probably been a little while. And so uh, while this patent filing definitely doesn't prove or disprove anything, it does lend a bit of weight to my belief, slash I guess we'd maybe call it a theory or hypothesis at this point, that the CyberQuad, if it ever comes out at all, is still quite a ways away. I mean... I know that probably sounds obvious right now, given that the Cybertruck itself is pushed back a year. But my point was, and still is, that Tesla has so many Cybertruck orders to fill, and battery supply is going to be at such a premium on all the vehicles, just a cumulative global overall problem for Tesla for years to come. It's not a short-term thing. Tesla's going to be demand uh, well, excuse me, not demand constrained. They're going to be supply constrained due to overwhelming demand on all these vehicles for years to come. So because of that, I just don't see Tesla sparing any resources, be it in manufacturing or battery production, to build the CyberQuad for at least the first few years of Cybertruck production as Giga Texas will move through Elon's infamous S-curve 
of production. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do hope that Tesla gets to the cyber quad eventually though, because it would just be super cool to put that thing in the back of your Cybertruck, be able to charge it with the one, the, the plug in the bed and just head out to the wilderness and have a good time with your cyber quad, which will be flanked by your Cybertruck. So we'll see. Uh, time will tell if my theory on that is correct or not. Next up this week, it appears that Giga Shanghai has achieved a notable, another notable milestone for the just completed month of September. Again, the hat tip goes to Tesla Roddy, who reports, as per local recent reports, Tesla's China-based electric vehicle plant reportedly hit a production rate of, get this, 1,600 Model Y per day in September. This was a substantial increase from Giga Shanghai's Model Y output in August when the company produced 1,000 of the all-electric crossover on a daily basis. The update was posted by China-based publication IT Home, citing an anonymous source that's reportedly familiar with the company's operations. The publication noted that Tesla's Model Y production at Giga Shanghai effectively increased 37.5% in September, month over month, in just a single month. That's pretty crazy. Tesla China also produced the Model 3 at a rate of 800 units per day, in August of 2021. So if they were able to keep that Model 3 rate going in September, that means their current run rate, it total cumulative at Giga Shanghai is 2,400 cars per day. Now extrapolate that over a seven day work week, assuming Giga Shanghai is on a basically 24 seven basis, the way that Tesla Fremont, the Fremont factory is. And then you multiply that by 50 weeks per year, because they do take a couple weeks off for holidays. And that is 16,800 cars per week total at a Giga Shanghai 3 and Y, which amounts to 840,000 per year, which beats Fremont, despite the fact that Fremont is producing today three different Teslas instead of Shanghai's two. And of course, soon Fremont will be back up to four once the new Model X gets into production, or I guess you could say once the Model X goes back into production. I don't say that, by the way, to disparage Fremont in any way, shape, or form. It's simply a point of comparison just to give you some context for the incredible output that is going on at Giga Shanghai. And and the bottom line is that Giga Shanghai, as I've said before, it has, again, it has outperformed Every single challenge that's ever been put in front of it. And by it, I'm of course referring to the Tesla China team. It is an incredible team that is that has just leaped over every hurdle put in front of them, every goal. It's it's just been amazing to watch. Now, uh I, I think it's fair to say by any account, by any metric, everything about the Giga Shanghai project has been a resounding success. And with them crushing it plus Fremont bringing the S and the X back into the picture. And soon Texas and Berlin will add significantly to the Model Y and thus overall production total. Tesla's production volume is simply going to continue to skyrocket for the foreseeable future. There will, uh, barring any unforeseen insane circumstances, like a natural disaster at one of the plants or something, the, it's just going to be a, a, an arrow pointing practically straight up. 
on the line graph for production. It's just unbelievable. Because again, just stepping back a second, you've got, in addition to what I've already told you, you've also got Texas bringing the Cybertruck online in about a year from now. And again, they'll ramp that up. And then in the not too distant future, the Model 2, aka the $25,000 car, that will get in on the action in the next two, three years or so, probably, as well too. And that's supposed to be, when it is fully ramped up, a million plus units per year on that car. So the the growth chart is just amazing for Tesla. And I want to say bravo to everyone who's working so hard at Giga Shanghai to achieve these incredible metrics. It is just a heck of an operation that Tesla has going out there. Next this week, Tesla CEO Elon Musk said that the ongoing semiconductor crisis will be over by next year. This was reported on CNBC, who writes, the tech billionaire said he thinks chip shortage is a, quote, short-term problem as opposed to a long-term one. Quote, there's a lot of chip fabrication plants that are being built, and I think we will have good capacity by next year, said Elon at an Italian tech event that was streamed online. Musk did not specify which chip plants he was referring to. Chip heavyweights Intel and TSMC have announced plans to build new plants in the U.S., but they won't come online for several years yet. So remember when I talked, it may have even just been on last week's show, but a week or two ago, about Elon's just core inert uh, optimism and how that optimism usually serves him well. And it's, it's certainly historically in the grand scheme of things served him very well, but sometimes it gets him into trouble, particularly when it comes to timelines. Well, when I hear this, I have to say respectfully, I suspect that might prove to be the case here as well. Don't get me wrong. I hope he's right. And I should make it very clear as if it's not obvious already. Elon is a much smarter guy than me when it comes to this stuff and basically literally everything else. But as CNBC noted, experts in the semiconductor industry have suggested that this could go on for longer. So hopefully Elon was saying that the chip shortage was going to be a short term problem because he meant it as a short term problem for Tesla as in not globally, but just for Tesla, it's going to it's gonna be a short-term deal because Tesla's figured some stuff out. Because, I mean, as we know, Tesla has adapted to the problem as best it can by having its very, very smart team of engineers rewrite the firmware on whatever components that they can get their hands on so that they can get them plugged in, installed, and compatible with the cars, and thus the cars can get built get out the door and get sold and not just get 98% built and then have to sit on a lot or in a warehouse somewhere. So uh, hopefully it's that Elon meant that Tesla has enough orders from various suppliers over the next year or so, year or two, to be able to continue cobbling together whatever they need in order to keep business moving forward. Doing so, obviously, is going to be a big key to the Cybertruck getting into production and getting ramped up. Not just getting into production, but actually reaching volume production so that all of you out there can get the reservations that you've had for, well, by that time, by the time of, by the time this production starts, a lot of you will have had your Cybertruck reservations for three years 
by that point. So I want to see all of you get your Cybertrucks sooner rather than later. All right, I've got one more story for you this week, and I'm going to let a listener take the reins on this one. Here's a call from Rolf in Lombard, Illinois, talking about the solar roof, Tesla solar glass roof. Rolf, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is Rolf from Lombard, Illinois. Thanks for doing a fantastic podcast all these years and providing the community with all the relevant Tesla news. We were under contract last year to have a solar roof along with two power walls installed on our house. Tesla Energy was here this past February to do an on-site home assessment prior to scheduling installation. The tech spent several hours taking measurements and photos of the electric panel, power wall location, and all aspects of our roof. An updated contract was signed and accepted on March 1st of this year. In early April, news started circulating that Tesla was increasing pricing on solar roof projects, even for those of us with signed contracts. Since we already had a site assessment and were just awaiting installation, we thought we were good to go. Two weeks passed, and then the notification email arrived in our inbox, solar roof price increase. The price went up around $20,000, so we decided to cancel. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, and there were a few news articles saying that due to some lawsuits filed by Tesla roof contract holders, Tesla would honor prices on contracts signed prior to April 2021. I contacted the helpful folks at Tesla Energy, and they were able to reinstate our contract at the old contract price. We appreciate Tesla doing the right thing, even though they may have been forced into it. Also, a bit of additional energy news for Illinois. It seems some solar incentives are again coming our way. On September 15th, Governor Pritzker assigned the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act with the program reopening by December 14th, 2021. Check out the Illinois Shines website for updated information. In conclusion, thanks again for the podcast, and of course, best to Daisy the Boxer. Now I'm going to your Patreon page to give you some overdue support. Rolf, thank you very much for all of this. Now, as I've said before, I don't cover the energy side of the Tesla business as much here on this podcast. I'm just personally way more interested in the cars. But this story, I have talked about this before. I was uh, not thrilled when I heard that Tesla was not going to honor these contracts. And so when I heard your call, I was very happy to hear it because I had also read that Tesla was supposedly going to start honoring those solar roof contracts under threat of lawsuit. And again, I'm so happy to hear a firsthand account from one of my own listeners that they are indeed doing that. Uh, As you probably remember, again, I expressed my disappointment at Tesla. I thought they got it wrong. You know, Tesla, I've, I've said in the past, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I feel they've earned that. I think that most of the time, Tesla does the right thing or they're trying to act in the best interest of the customer. I do not think they did that in this case. Uh, And I was very disappointed at Tesla for canceling those contracts back when they did it. And while it's not the ideal scenario that they're doing this now, seemingly only due to the threat of legal action, in the end, they are doing the right thing. So I'm happy about that. Primarily, I'm happy for customers like yourself on this, Rolf. I mean, hey, it's perfectly fine for Tesla to raise prices for whatever reason, but it just wasn't fair for them, fair of them, to break those signed contracts with customers. That's just not right. So I am thrilled for you and your family on this, Rolf. Uh, I'll tell you, there's a house in the neighborhood outside of San Francisco that I like to take Daisy to for long, quiet walks on the weekends. And I walk by it a lot, and they just got a solar roof. In fact, I saw it when the, the roof was bare, 
And there were just a bunch of, there was a bunch of prep materials on the roof that said Tesla. And I thought that caught my eye. I was like, oh, okay, well, I know what's going on up there. And it's done now. And uh, in fact, I sent Rolf a picture just so he could see what it looks like. But uh, I, I, think that's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's, uh, the, the solar roof is really pretty to see in person. And in my opinion, obviously others may feel differently, but in my opinion, you'd really never know that this roof was an energy generating roof unless you were in the know already. If you know, you know, which I suppose is exactly the point, right? It should just be a beautiful roof, as Elon has said, that happens to have solar tiles embedded in it. So, uh, Rolf, I hope your install happens soon. Thank you so much for passing along the good solar incentive news for the state of Illinois as well. And that will bring me to the end of this week's Tesla news, but stick with me. There is plenty more podcast to go. First, your calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline, a lot of great topics coming up. And then I will tell you about the most recent Tesla owners of Silicon Valley Club event, at Mac House, the professional photo studio where Tesla themselves has a lot of their promotional materials materials filmed. And I'm going to tell you about delivery volunteering. Yes, it's back. Uh, one of the local clubs, the Silicon Valley Group, managed to work with Tesla and enable uh, owners to sign up and volunteer to help a, during the end of quarter push to just answer new questions for people taking delivery in these final days of the quarter that's just just concluded now. And I went on the last day of the quarter, so I want to tell you about that. So stay tuned. Plenty more podcasts coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Oh, that's Steve Downs' promo sounding extra good because this weekend, Halo Infinite multiplayer tech test happening. I've been playing Halo, which for the first time in, well, first new Halo in six years. So man, it has been fun to test out that multiplayer. Or right, I hope you've gotten a chance to play as well if you're a Halo fan. All right, let's get to the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you have a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, and just email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same question and call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline, leave a message, Anytime, day or night, it's very easy. The toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And again, a friendly reminder, when you do call in, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half, so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. Kicking us off for this week is Chad from Nebraska. Brian, Chad from Nebraska, Model Y owner, longtime listener. Really appreciate what you put out every week. Quick question, I frequently have conversations with non-Tesla owners and we talk about autopilot, FSD, and the ability for Teslas to navigate roads, streets, highways, etc. And I 
almost always get the response, oh yeah, there's other car companies and vehicles out there that do the same thing that Tesla does. Can you give some clarity and uh, some idea of what other vehicles can do compared to the technology that Tesla has? Because I don't see it. I can't imagine any other car company coming even close to what Tesla is doing, but I don't know. Can you uh, help provide a little uh, idea of the separation and the gap between Tesla and other uh, car companies. Thanks for all you're doing. Have a great day. Hey, Chad, let me preface this by saying I have not driven any other system. However, there is a car reviewing YouTuber that I really like. I may have mentioned him before. His name is Doug DeMuro. He has driven everything, and I do mean everything, every supercar, every major new fun car, classic, anything. He's driven everything. He likes Cadillac Supercruise a lot. Uh, the system in the very latest Mercedes vehicles is the other one that he has kind words about. And he has, of course, driven autopilot as well. The Ford system that's in the Mach-E, which is called Blue Cruise, that one you may have heard about for the wrong reasons. After friend of the podcast and noted automotive manufacturing expert Sandy Monroe, he made a video trying out that system and he had an engineer from Ford in the passenger seat, and uh, let's just say that guy probably wasn't having the best time because as Sandy was driving it with the driver assistance system engaged, it couldn't even hold a gentle curve on the freeway without disengaging, which is unfortunate. But taken from someone whose opinion I trust in Doug, it sounds like Cadillac and Mercedes have pretty good alternatives to autopilot. They all have their ups and downs. I'm not saying any of them are better than autopilot or vice versa, but those are the two that appear to be closest in not just features, but performance to what Tesla is doing with autopilot. Thank you for your call, Chad. Next up is Chris from Manchester in the UK. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, Chris uh, from the UK in Manchester. Uh, I've recently been looking at getting a Tesla. Uh, I've been looking mainly at the Model 3. But uh, I'm unsure whether to hold out for the Model Y. Uh, I have a dog, so I feel like that hatchback kind of boot will be a lot better for her. But I just wanted to see if you had any kind of thoughts on whether the back seats of a Model 3 would be suitable for a dog. She is pretty well behaved. Um, and, you know, getting covers for them, I think, is, is always an option. And I kind of prefer the sportier look of the 3. Um, but obviously with also with the delay of the Model Y or the kind of we're still waiting for it over in the UK, I just, I, I'm kind of a bit torn uh, on to, as to what to do. So I was just wondering if you could give me some advice. Also, as a quick side note, um, do any listeners or do you, do you yourself know whether you can use the superchargers that are at Tesla dealerships, like in their forecourts or in their parking areas? Because the, the Tesla dealership is just around the corner from me. Uh, so it's kind of handy, but... I don't know if I can actually use this or not. Anyway, thank you very much. I uh, love the show. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Chris, I am happy to help you here. Let me answer your second question first. If you can see the supercharger in the public portion of the Tesla store parking lot, then yes, you can use it. There are definitely Tesla stores slash service centers here in the U.S. that have superchargers that are only for charging cars in service or for test drive cars. Usually they're hidden away and you can't see them. But the way to know for sure is that when you get your Tesla, 
to see if that location shows up on your screen as an available station. I mean, I suppose you could also look right now on tesla.com slash find us as well. All one word, find us. That'll show you all of the superchargers in your area too. Now, as to which Tesla is right for you, it sounds like you're leaning pretty far towards the Model 3. And I can tell you that in my experience with a wife, one kid, and one 65-pound boxer, the Model 3 works great for me and my family. If you plan to have more than one child, then maybe the Model Y uh, might be the better way to go in order to accommodate your larger family as well as your dog. Otherwise, the three should treat you splendidly. So now, have fun choosing which car and which options, and you'll have uh, a real lot of fun clicking that order button and seeing that haha yes smiling and waving hedgehog. That's uh, You've got that to look forward to. So, Chris, I hope you found that helpful. Longtime caller Brian from Pennsylvania is up next. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan. Brian from Wapwallop in Pennsylvania. Calling in regards to the caller last week, we talked about the chimes the car makes when a traffic light turns green. They drive me insane. All the chimes drive me nuts because every time the car chimes, it mutes or lowers the volume of the music or... Your voice in a podcast. Ryan McCaffrey will be talking, and then there's a chime because of a phantom breaking or something like that. And I didn't hear what Ryan said. And meanwhile, the car thinks it saw something, but it didn't. And I would so much rather be able to turn off the chimes and opt in for a steering wheel vibration versus the chimes that just drive me insane. And I, you know, I have used Joe mode and that kind of, but no, it really doesn't at all. Um, and a second question, and it's probably a little too late, but I would still love to hear this maybe. My daughter is going to be driving our Model Y for her driver's test coming up on Tuesday in five days from now as I'm calling you. Uh, so no one will be able to respond to this before that. But I'm curious to know if anyone whose children has taken a driving test in a Tesla and has they had any issues with the um, proctor and dealing with an electric car and how they feel different, acceleration, stopping, things like that. Thanks again and have a great day. Brian, it's always great to hear from you. And hey, congrats on your daughter's driving test. When I was that age, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. I had been into cars my whole life, and the idea for me of being able to actually drive on my own was so exciting to me. That was that was a fun time in my life, as, as I think back on it now. Um, but now, as I think about it in my present-day scenario as the parent of a 10-year-old, it's a little terrifying to think ahead like five years, five and a half six years to that point. But uh, Brian, this is about you, not about me. Uh, I thought this would be a good one to turn over to the audience to see if they have any feedback on using a Tesla for a driver's test. We will see if people, including yourself, by this time next week, come back with any wisdom that could be beneficial to your fellow listeners. As for the chimes, 
I totally see what you mean. I mean, for me, my garage door, the opening, I've talked about this before, it's so tight, the Model 3 only fits through with the mirrors closed. The car beeps like crazy every single time I go in and out. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that Joe mode doesn't quite go far enough for you. So, I mean, you know, I think the bottom line is that we're all stuck with these chimes in some form or another for better and for worse. Thank you, as always, for your call, Brian. Here's Pete in Carmel up next. Haven't heard from Pete in a little while. Hey, Ryan, this is Pete from Carmel. Long time no call, uh, mainly because I didn't have anything interesting to say, but now I do. With FSD beta, we have some interesting challenges here in Carmel, Indiana. I love the concept of FSD and I've signed up and I have a score of 95 for my first day. I doubt that will last because I like to uh, go fast, especially in corners. Um, one of the challenges in Carmel is that we have the most roundabouts of any city in the country. We have 138 roundabouts so far and counting. That's one roundabout for every four miles. Now, I love roundabouts because they're very safe. So you can't T-bone somebody in a roundabout, basically. So traffic fatalities, uh, national average is like 14 per 100,000. Carmel, Indiana is two per 100,000. Um, so I'm all for roundabouts. However, it's going to be interesting to see how FSD deals with roundabouts. I suspect it won't work very well. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I'll give you guys an update. I'm excited to try it. I have to behave for a week, and my wife thinks there's no way that I'm going to be able to do that. So we have a bet, and uh, she's going to buy me a bottle of wine if she's wrong. So I'm going to try really hard. One of the tricks I'm doing is just to put it on autopilot, uh, even on the city streets, just so I can minimize the risk of me going over the speed limit or uh, breaking hard and all those kinds of things. The problem is it's hard to not um, go fast through a roundabout because a Tesla just sticks to the ground. And I found that my only flunking score is the aggressive turning score, and that's probably the roundabout. So anyway, just thought you guys would be interested. I'll give you an update. Thanks. Pete, it's wonderful to hear from you. Uh, thank you for teaching me a fun fact about Carmel, Indiana. I bet there's a great story to why your city has so many roundabouts, so I thought I would try to educate myself, and I looked it up, and on Wikipedia, it seems that most of your roundabouts, 128 of them, have been built since 1998, and I looked elsewhere on your Wikipedia page, and it seems that your mayor has been in office since 1996. So perhaps he's a big fan of roundabouts, or maybe he grew up in Europe or somewhere that had a lot of them and wanted to bring them to your town. I don't know. Anyway, uh, now I'm eager to hear back about how your week went and if you won your bet with your wife about whether or not you got selected for the beta. We've got you know one more week as you hear this, so keep in touch on that. I'm curious. But to your point about FSD and roundabouts, you're probably right that you're going to have a heck of a time with them for a while when you do get the beta, since they are generally so few and far between in the United States and the beta won't be rolling out in Europe for at least a little while yet. But hopefully you can help the autopilot team out and help train it. 
you, my friend, are uniquely positioned to be able to do that. So good luck and keep me posted. Damon from Northbrook, Illinois is up next. Hey, Ryan. Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois again. Just calling this time regarding Tesla's performance division and their use of tri-motors or maybe someday quad motors. But specifically, the Model S Plaid has tri-motors and the Roadster will as well as the top-tier Cybertruck. I think this is an awesome technology, especially for people who like to take their cars to the racetrack, not not drag strips, but actual tracks with turns and braking and um, the torque vectoring that's available through tri-motors um, really gives an advantage there over uh, a limited slip differential or what a lot of Teslas use is just braking the wheel that might spin in a turn and um, which tends to overheat the brakes. I would love to put my money down today if they announced a tri-motor Model 3 performance. Uh, that would be like the ultimate track day weapon. But um, I don't know. Uh, Elon talked about doing the ludicrous for the Model 3 performance, and that never showed up. So I'm wondering if they're going to continue to do this kind of uh, performance gap or feature gap between the top tier Model S cars and X cars and the entry tier uh, Model 3 cars. Just curious what your thoughts are on that. And um, as always, really appreciate everything you do and look forward to the next episode. All right. Take care. Bye. Damon, thank you very much for calling in. Well, eventually, inevitably, the Model 3 performance will get quicker. It's just a question of what form it takes. The 4680 cells alone could provide a boost based on what we've been told about those cells and what they're going to be capable of, particularly when paired with a newer generation drivetrain, because remember that the Model 3 and the Model Y drivetrain tech is a few years old at this point. I mean, it will evolve, it'll get better over time. I mean, I'm not sure it makes sense to have the tri-motor Cybertruck be quicker in the product lineup than the Model 3 performance, even if they're very close, right? Because as it's currently penciled out, it would be extremely close between the two, but the Cybertruck would have the edge in its tri-motor configuration. I could see Tesla taking the Model 3 performance into the high two-second range, maybe just edging out the upcoming Cybertruck, but I do figure they're probably going to keep it away on purpose from the much more expensive Model X Plaid, which is zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds, and certainly, they're going to keep it away from the Model S Plaid and the 1.99 seconds. I personally see a Model 3 performance upgrade as being a ways away because, quite frankly, the 3 and the Y, as they are today, are such cash-generating machines for Tesla, and they can't keep up with demand as it is that I just don't think there's really much reason at all to invest resources into making them even better for the time being. It just seems like something that's a longer-term project. But again, it's almost inevitable. It will happen. And by the way, I would be right there with you to be first in line for a revised Model 3 performance. My wife might might say might be like, um, no, you're not. We're not going to be first in line for that. But um, in my head, I would say yes. I would definitely want to be first in line with you for that. Uh, next is I. Now this broke up a little bit. I believe it's Eric from Arizona. Go ahead. Hey Ryan, 
Eric from Arizona. I've called a couple times in the past. I just wanted to follow up to uh, an episode in the past where you air this, uh, where people were commenting on range anxiety uh, or looking at their range decrease in general. Uh, one thing that's been commented on before, uh, I know it's tough to do. It was tough for me, but just change over that battery indicator to percentage, and that'll be one less worry that you have. So just switch it over instead of miles, look at percentage, and then you won't have that same problem where you're constantly worrying about that. So just a quick thought, something I did recently, and I'm glad I did it. It took a while, but I finally did it, and I don't worry about it anymore. All right, thanks for everything you do. Thank you very much for that thought. It's a great suggestion, honestly. I know a lot of people have done the same for that very reason. I'm still a miles guy, even though, quite frankly, it makes no sense for me to do so, given that my Performance 3 literally never hits the estimate, <laughs> thanks to the 20-inch wheels. But I don't know, there's something weirdly comforting to me in kind of a backwards way about seeing a range estimate in miles. And again, I, you know, maybe it's just, it's just, I'm just being weird, I realize. But uh, here, we're talking about helping your fellow callers and listeners, and it is simpler than ever to change the display on your screen from percentage to miles or, you know, back and forth, just tap the number next to the battery indicator in the upper left area of the display. And if it's in miles, it'll change to percentage. And if it's in percentage, it'll change to miles. And it's as simple as that. Thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate the call. Our final caller this week is Larry from Texas, a new Model Y owner. My name is Larry and I'm from Texas. I took delivery of my new Model Y earlier this month, just before leaving 10 days for a cruise. I'm a guest speaker on cruise ships. I left the car plugged in the entire time, safe in my garage. Today I heard a listener question regarding a car unplugged for that amount of time, and you answered that was fine, citing a pilot who was often gone for weeks. Is it also okay to leave it plugged in that amount of time? Is one better than the other? Thanks for your advice and your helpful podcast. Larry, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on your new Model Y. Uh, I appreciate your call because you have made me realize that I should have addressed this in my initial response. So the bottom line is that it's always preferable, just preferable, not required, preferable to leave it plugged in if you can, it's just though it can be unplugged if it needs to be, so it's not the end of the world. But the owner's manual does say to leave the car plugged in when not in use. I would suggest keeping it at 80% charge or less, or at least maybe not below 50. So 50 to 80 range if you're going to leave it for a while when it's plugged in. And if you are going to leave it for a while plugged in, if it's not at home, like for instance, I am fortunate enough at the long-term parking garage at the San Francisco airport, I'm able to leave it plugged in because uh, there's just rows and rows and rows of chargers. And before you think, hey, Ryan, aren't you taking somebody's charger? No, it's the long-term parking garage. Everybody in there is there for a while. So uh, there, there's literally over 120 stalls in there. So anyway, um, so I get to plug in there and I'll leave sentry mode running since it's plugged in. So it's just that nice extra layer of security. So you could do that. I don't know, you may be talking about leaving it plugged in at home, which then you probably don't need sentry mode. But anyway, there's the answer. Larry, I hope that helps. Thank you so much for your call. Thanks to everybody who called in. 
Again, if you would like to participate in the podcast, I welcome it. I invite it. Join in, be a part of the show, get heard here on Ride the Lightning. Give me a call anytime in one of the two easy ways that I told you about at the top of this segment. And with that, let me take a very short, brief musical interlude, and I'll be right back with a bit more podcast for you. I'm going to talk about uh, the photo shoot event with the Silicon Valley Owners Club, as well as the delivery volunteering session at the end of the quarter here. So stay tuned for all that right after this. I have been very busy with my car, which I've named the Spirit of Adventure. So last weekend, the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley and joint meetup with the Tesla owners East Bay Club. Shout out to the East Bay group. They are a proud Patreon supporter of this podcast. Combined to put on the photo shoot event at Mac House. Now, I learned that Mac House is, I mean, they're in Fremont, so they're not far from the Fremont factory. They do a lot of Tesla's promotional stuff. So if you have seen the, for instance, Tesla's official dog mode video, that was shot by them, and the dog featured there. I met that dog. Uh, I'm a very adorable dog, and it was just cool to be there. Beautiful photo studio. You roll the cars in, of course, there's zero emissions, so you can just bring them right in, no problem. The lighting, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're pros. I mean, it's incredible. Before I even saw the pictures, just the studio lighting alone, the car looked great, and I'm thrilled with how the pictures turned out. You can see my pictures on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan on Instagram there. So thank you to Mac House for hosting us. That was a really unique and wonderful event that I had a great time at. Uh, and in fact, it, you know, it kind of turned into a car show outside for the, you know, because only one car can get a photo shoot at a time. So I was milling around for most of it. And I want to say hello to Bruce, listener Bruce, with his custom Oreo Model Y, uh, white interior, white exterior, but with some cool black uh, wrap on top of it that gave it a very unique look. And Andy as well, hopefully Andy will hear this. He had uh, he had taken an interest in the podcast after we started talking for a while. Andy is a new, he's got a sick new white Model S plaid. So congratulations to Andy. Both of those guys spent some really nice time chatting with me at the event, and I am uh, I had a great time talking to them and everybody else as well. And then I also had a great time more recently on the last day of the quarter, on the night of September 30th, I signed up for the 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. slot at Colma, Tesla's Colma Delivery Center, which is just outside of San Francisco. And I you know, was there uh, with the members of the Silicon Valley group. We were kind of attacking in teams of two in these two-hour shifts. I was there with Ben, so hi, Ben, if you're listening, and just helping out however we could, whether it was... because so, so truckloads of cars kept coming from Fremont the whole time. So we were helping out whether it was just peeling the protective tape off of those cars so that the Tesla team could help get them prepped for delivery that night, or whether it was talking to people, just answering questions. I did find it was a very different experience than the last time I did this, which was two years ago before the pandemic. And that was, I, I did that at uh, the Fremont Delivery Center where I had done it a few times. It was very different because now these days, Tesla 
delivers most of the cars straight to the customer's door, to their driveway. So, you know, an employee hops in the car, drives it to their home, leaves it, and then Ubers back, and that's it. And then they just keep doing that all day and night. So, but there were some people that did come to the Colma Delivery Center. So, you know, I just would be respectful just to tell people who I am. And it's like, hey, if you have any questions getting set up, let me know. And my observation was that Tesla has clearly done a much better job of onboarding people when they first take delivery of the car and they're first getting set up there. You know, I, I didn't I wasn't sitting in anyone's car with them as they did it. Uh, but I could see through the rear window of just the, the videos going and the different categories. And that was really, that was the number one feedback I had from two years ago doing this when I would have to answer, I'd have to literally explain like how to activate autopilot, not how to activate it on the road, but how to turn it on in the menu. Like people didn't even know, and understandably so, they wouldn't even know that it was disabled by default, that you had to go in and actually turn it on first before you could use it. And then they also didn't know that it had to calibrate for, you know, X number of miles. So Tesla, like I got far fewer questions this time because those videos I could, again, I could see people through the, the windows watching them and the, those, uh, and, and it was all first time Tesla owners, at least the people I spoke with that had never, I would ask, Oh, have you had a Tesla before? Have you had an electric car before? Oh no. And so those videos are doing a great job, which is great. Cause that's what you want. You don't, if you're Tesla, you don't want to have to have owner volunteers come in and have to help pick up the slack of, of again, I'm not, that's not a failing of them, but a failing of, you know, the onboarding of the car. So my point is that has been rectified largely. So credit to the Tesla team for making the onboarding experience much better. But I still, I, I just love talking to people about these cars. Uh, I met one gentleman who had just picked up uh, I think it was a 2019 performance model three. And I said, Oh, well, I've got the same car. Let me, let me, you know, help you out. And you know, he'd never, he actually hadn't even had a chance to drive one. So I was like, well, you're going to hear it for a good time. So I just told him, you know, shared some wisdom and it's just a good time. I really enjoy talking to people about the cars, especially as they're excited, they're getting it. They've obviously, they've financially invested a lot and they're, they're taking a leap, right? They're taking a chance on trying something entirely new. So I very much enjoyed that volunteer session, just helping some people out. And I would be happy to do that again at the end of any quarter, just, you know, a, a two hour shift here, two hour shift there. Just, it's a, it's a good time. So uh, if that opportunity comes up in your neck of the woods again, you know, I would presume that'll be a thing done through the official owners clubs and thus through Tesla formally, you know, talk to your club leaders about that, your local club leaders. But I recommend it. I think it's a it's a fun time if you feel up for it, if you feel like doing that. And what else? I think that will about wrap it up for what I've been up to. I will say my Tesla-inspired NFTs, the hedge lords, we keep making more. And by golly, they keep selling, which is fantastic. People like them, which is so just creatively fulfilling. I put up four this week. Two of them have already sold without even me plugging them anywhere. So there are two left, and the two that are there at the moment are SpaceX-inspired, let's say, and they both involve a doge. Doge. Is it doge or doge? I'm not actually sure. The D-O-G-E, you know, the, the Shiba Inu puppy. So we gave, we gave Hedgelord a doge. So anyway, if you're curious to check those out, again, it's totally just for fun. 
You know, there's you obviously you don't have to buy them, but if you even want to just take a look, they're at www.hedgelord.net. Uh, pro tip of the week time. Here's Jason from Tucson. Hey, Ryan, Jason from Tucson calling in with a possible pro tip. I just joined the Tesla family this weekend and took delivery of a new 2021 long range model three. And while playing around with some of the settings when I got home, I noticed some features were not working. Cabin overheat protection was completely grayed out, as was dash cam's save footage button, and honk to save footage would not work. So after troubleshooting a bit, I decided to do some digging in the forums and Facebook groups, and I found many people had the same issue. In almost all of these cases, their cars had not been flagged as delivered in the back-end database. So with this information, I called Tesla to have them take a look. This unfortunately took multiple attempts, as most didn't know what I was referring to, or they would insist that since I clicked accept delivery and had app access, the car was delivered in their system. One of the reps even suggested that cabin overheat protection was grayed out for everyone, not just me. Finally, I was able to have one of the support reps check and sure enough my car was not flagged as delivered in both the old system and new system they contacted my local delivery center and had them repush the delivered status this all happened today while i was at work and when i got in my car at the end of my workday, my screen came up with a welcome screen full of tutorials as if it were the first time getting in and when i checked out the features that weren't working before they were all now working as intended i'm not sure if this has been covered on the podcast before but i figured especially with this larger than normal end of quarter push Tesla's going through right now, we may see many people having this type of issue, and hopefully this info could help someone out. As always, thank you so much for all the hard work you put into the podcast each and every week. And by the way, happy belated birthday. Maybe I'll see you on the Halo Infinite flight this weekend. Take care and hope you have a good one. Jason, thank you for calling in and for the belated birthday wishes. I appreciate that. I had a nice day with my family. Now to your call, I have not heard of this before, but I can see how this would be frustrating. You are right to suspect that this may happen to more listeners, given how many deliveries happened this week for the end of quarter push, so I am happy to play your call here. Congratulations on your new Model 3. I wish you many hundreds of thousands of miles all driven in good health. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, or soon-to-be owners for in a lot of cases, please feel free to call in and share it. You dial in the same two easy ways that you can call in for the regular Ride the Lightning hotline. And with that, let me mention some friends of the podcast before I go, starting with puretesla.com slash RTL, who I believe I very accidentally omitted last week. They've got multiple excellent products now. In addition to their one-stop shop dash cam sentry mode USB drives that are SD, micro SD based which are going to be long-term, bulletproof. You want to go with that. That's what I've got in my car. 49 bucks for the 128-gig kit or 69 for the 256-gigabyte kit. Again, puretesla.com slash RTL. It comes fully formatted, ready to go. You just take it out of the package, plug it into your car. Free shipping anywhere in the United States on that as well. They also have, though, a new product, wireless game controllers. So for those of you who are diving into the growing array of video games in the Tesla, it comes with a wire, there's a, there's, you can just buy one or you could buy the two controller kit that comes with the uh, wireless dongle. So you can actually use it wirelessly, which is obviously much more convenient. Again, as I said a couple weeks ago, these controllers kind of look like Super Nintendo controllers, which makes me very happy. It strikes a nostalgic chord for me. So check those out, whether you're getting the, uh, dash cam, sentry mode kit, and or the wireless game controllers. 
Grab those at puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has all kinds of good stuff, including their new fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors. These are these have antimicrobial coating. They use aluminosilicate glass, which was what Corning uses on Gorilla Glass. Those uh, are going to differentiate it from all the other aftermarket options out there. It's the cleanest, the hardest Tesla screen protector on the planet. They ship with the installation frame, making installation very easy. And there's a lifetime guarantee if it's damaged in the line of duty. They've also got all kinds of great lighting kits for both the inside and outside of the car. I'm a big fan of their rear footwell lighting kit, particularly for you Model Y owners that have your seats up on risers compared to the Model 3. So just check it out. Browse their virtual aisles at abstractocean.com and pile up everything that you like in your cart at once because you're going to want to just buy everything at once so that you can use this coupon code, which is good for 15% off of your first order. And that coupon code is RTL Podcast. All one word, RTL Podcast at abstractocean.com. How about the snap plate? That is the front license plate bracket that will snap on and off in seconds, but it will snap on securely, paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe, clean minimal design, blends nicely with the front end, leaves nothing behind when it's removed, including a tape residue, because the front license plate frame that Tesla gives you is, is installed with automotive adhesive tape which I just makes my skin crawl as a as a perfectionist with the, with my car. So grab the snap plate which you can get at everyamp.com/rtl. That's everyamp.com/rtl and they have them for all four Teslas S3, X and Y. Immaculate Reflections. Wonderful detailing service if you and or your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. There is a discount waiting for any listener of this podcast, whether you're doing paint correction, paint protection film over some or all of the car, ceramic coating so that you don't have to get the car waxed twice a year. That's what the ceramic coating is just a, it's a super wax that's going to be good for three to five years. Whatever you want to do, some of that, all of that, get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections via his website, which is irdetailing.com. That's irdetailing.com. And again, in your correspondence, correspondence, pardon me, should you book with Jeff, make sure to mention that you are a listener of Ride the Lightning and there is a discount waiting for you when you utter those magic words. Finally, my friends at Jada and their growing product line of aftermarket Tesla accessories. For those of you with 2021 threes and whys, why not grab the Jada USB Hub Console? It's all kinds of stuff in a wonderful all-in-one product. It's a storage organizer for the center console. It's a USB hub. It's an Apple Watch charger. It's an AirPods charger. Everything you need, it's right in there. Check that out. If you have a three that's older than 2021, that means you don't have a wireless charging pad built into your car. So grab their fourth generation wireless charging pad. I'm running their third gen one in my car. I love it because A, it just works. It's easy to install, no tools. And big for me, it looks stock. It just looks like it was there all along. It's not some obvious aftermarket out of place thing. I'm a big fan. 
So uh, whatever you're gonna buy, use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount from Jada. And if you are going to buy anything, please, I kindly ask that you use my referral link because full transparency, they'll throw me a couple of bucks from the sale if you come in through my referral link. So that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Uh, if you're not already following slash subscribing to the podcast, that's free. All that does is means the show will push to you automatically each time there's a new episode, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. You won't have to remember to, oh, yeah, I got to go download the new one. If you just follow slash subscribe that your favorite podcast service will do it for you. So you can follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on TuneIn and Spotify, which by the way, both of those are native in your car. So you can get it directly in your car, which is pretty cool. Or I'm also on YouTube, just an audio only format. If you want to listen that way, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you'll find my channel and you can subscribe right there. Finally, I want to mention, of course, this is the part of the show where I do mention my Patreon. That is the way that you can totally voluntarily support my efforts with the podcast here after 322 episodes. I don't know how many you've been listening for, but if you feel like I have earned your support, that I do a good enough job each week, that I'm consistent week in and week out, that you think, you know what? The time has finally come. I'm going to support Ryan here. You can go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can check out the various support tiers. Each one of those tiers has an extra little bonus attached to it. Those bonuses stack. So the higher you go, you get more and more perks. So for instance, this weekend, tomorrow as I record this, is going to be the monthly Google Hangout for Patreon backers, either new Patreon backers get a one-time welcome invite, so do people that upgraded their pledge, and then the Maximum Plaid tier folks, among all their other perks, they get invited to this every month, and we just have a great time talking about the world of Tesla and what's going on with everybody each month. It's a fun hour. It flies by. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's. So again, you can find all the information about my Patreon on the Patreon page, which again is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. There are both monthly backing options, but also there's uh, more recently a an annual option. If you just want to support me once for the year, just pay once. There's even a 5% discount if you do it that way. So check that out if you feel so inclined. And with that... Uh, I believe that brings us to just about the end of the show here. Again, you can reach me via email anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I mentioned my Instagram earlier, which is DMC underscore Ryan. Same Twitter handle, DMC underscore Ryan. And before I go, let me just say hi and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. I'll start with the Roadster in Space tier crew, the newest Roadster in Space tier backer, Rolf and Jennifer Evers. Thank you very much for your generous pledge this past week, along with a big thank you to the existing Roadster in Space tier crew, Pete White, 
Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, and Richard Stokes. On the Maximum Plaid front, welcome back to Scott Gillis. Scott, thank you very much for re-upping on Patreon. Great to have you back. I know you've been listening the whole way regardless. Thank you for your renewed support. And then the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, a big thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, and Matthew Graham Droneberger. Thank you guys all very much. And finally, the Plaid crew. Thank you kindly to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla Owners Group of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. Thank you all very much for your continued and generous support on Patreon. And with that, it is time to soon do what Daisy the Boxer's doing, which is snoozing. That dog's passed out on the couch. So I'm going to wrap this thing up here, probably watch a TV show. There's a new season of Archer. I love that show. I've got, uh, I think, one or two more to catch up on there. Maybe I'll do that before bed. I wish all of you a wonderful week of safety score boosting as we as we all try to get our hands on the full self-driving beta. Drive carefully, drive safe. Happy electric motoring. And I will see you all back here same day, same time, of course, next week, Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.